It's great to be with you again this morning. And um, uh, there have been so many highlights this week. Um, not least Bethany smashing the reading right there. Um, Andy having a first go at leading a service. Isn't, isn't he doing well? Um, uh, th- this was a bit of a highlight. Who was at Cows of the Precinct last night? So you, you know what's about to come. But look at this. So I, uh, Nick Cresswell can't be here this morning, but Nick did this. I said to him a few weeks ago, I said, oh, it'd be great. Actually, it was probably only a couple of weeks ago. So could you create just a, just a little a box or something that we could fit a few people in that looked like, a bit like a present? Um, and if I had some fairy lights in there, that would be great. Um, but don't go to any trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and so he did this. <laughs> don't go to any trouble. <laughs> Um, uh, he did an incredible job and he can't be here because he's at a funeral this weekend but if you see Nick give him a high five um, tell him how well he did it's amazing it's got a whole it's got a lamp and fairy lights and wood and a manger and two little sheep and last night we had a real Mary and Joseph and baby in there yeah we did they were at the first service this morning Mary and Joseph and Jesus well Joshua but it's the same root in Hebrew for Jesus so um, you know it all counts Um, so that was amazing that was a highlight um, it, you might all think that I'd get up here I'm going to mention it in a little bit the Lantern Love Fund and how that's been a highlight this week and it has but there's so much that's gone on this week that's been a highlight that, um, we had Sylvia's Thanksgiving service here on Tuesday celebrating a life well lived it gave even at the end life to others through um, her being able to donate her kidneys but, but the beautiful thing about that as well is uh, people, a few people kindly came up to me afterwards and said, oh, well done with the talk, Mike. And I was like, well, it wasn't mine, really. I just filled in the, the gaps in between Sylvia's talk. Because as, um, if you were there, you'll know that basically I jumped from one quote and reading that was underlined or written in her Bible to another, just filling in the gaps in between. As she, in a sense, preached to her friends and family about the truth of the gospel in her life. I had a meeting one evening this week as well with a bunch of other church leaders and the archdeacon in the area talking about how we might unite more in mission in the area. That was another highlight, to see the unity in the room. Uh, Yesterday, um, there was a couple in this congregation, they might be saying, Matt and Kiri, who renewed their wedding vows together at the parish church. It's a lovely thing. Just now, Vic gets up and lights the candles. Um, first time he's ever done it on behalf of him and Sylvia, lighting the Advent candles. That's a bit of a highlight too. So many things to be thankful for and to look back on. I'm going to talk a little bit more a little bit later about um, the Lantern Love Fund as well and the response to that and how amazing that's been. Um, if you're here this morning you weren't here last week and you don't know what I'm talking about, then I'll explain to you a little bit of what we did last week and what the Lantern Love Fund is all about as well. But I want that to be placed in context with our Bible passage and what we're celebrating this Christmas. Um, this is the last in our Advent series. Uh, many of you have been kind enough to email in um, or comment to me how helpful you found uh, the Advent Bible readings that we've been journeying through and the series that we've been looking at, encouraging us to, to approach Christmas in a slightly more measured and different way. Uh, to spend less and to give more of ourselves as well as our finances as we'll hear later um, and, uh, and to worship fully this Advent 
I want to thank members of this congregation who've contributed to those Advent thoughts. Who's been reading those Advent reflections each morning? Hopefully you've been getting them. I, I want to make, I, I, I hope I've made this really clear, but I keep getting thanks for them, and I only wrote one of them. <laughs> um, the rest have all been written by members of the congregation, and at, at the end of the first service, I gave away Christmas morning as well. So Brian's going to be doing that one. Um, so everybody um, has been playing their part in that. It's been wonderful to see all the thoughts come in and reflections from, from all of you guys. I hope, I hope beyond the reflections, it's also got the message across to, to some of us who struggle with a rhythm of Bible study that actually we might be able to give this a go. Because um, whilst they've been brilliant reflections, I think they've also had a sense of a sort of a reality, an earthiness to them, a kind of like someone's just done a Bible study that morning and is sharing it a bit wider. So um, I hope that's been good as well. Um, but today, in today's reading, I want to pick out really one thing, uh, one verse really, verse 10, but we'll elaborate on it a little bit more. I wonder whether you've noticed through the Christmas readings this year or in the past um, uh, the response that always seems to happen when an angel shows up. When an angel shows up, what's the first thing the angel has to say to the person that they meet? Don't be afraid. It's funny, isn't it? We don't think of Christmas and fear. But um, have a glance with me if you've got your Bible um, on you or if you've got it on your phone. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, angel appearing to Zechariah, which we've had in our Advent Bible readings, um, but not for on a Sunday. Uh, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. Verse 30 of chapter 1, the angel appears to Mary, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God." You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. Turn to today's reading, chapter 2, verse 10. The angel armies appear to the shepherds and say, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, I don't want us to be afraid this Christmas, but I do um, sense that for some of us there might be an importance in, um, in knowing the fear of God this Christmas. So bear with me here. The angels say, do not be afraid. You don't need to be afraid, and this is why. And behold, listen to the good news of great joy. But... I think there might be something missing in our journey towards the stable and towards Christmas if we aren't every now and then filled with awe and wonder again, with a sense of right and proper fear at the holy thing that is happening, that we are celebrating. Zechariah and Mary and the shepherds were rightly a little bit scared. <laughs> a little bit fearful because what was happening and what they were encountering was holy and there should be a sense I think for us if we're going to really get everything out of Christmas and the good news that it is where there's a sense of right and proper fear and awe and wonder and reverence as to what's happening that God is coming to earth that we stand on holy ground as it were 
think there's something in that for us. But I love in verse 10, it's all in verse 10. In some ways, the gospel's in verse 10. The angel says, do not be afraid. There is a point for right reverence and fear before God. In some ways, it's the discipleship journey for anyone who becomes a Christian. Is you have to have that moment of, oh wow, God is holy and I am not. I need good news, favour, a saviour. I need my prayer to be answered. But it starts with a right and proper sense of fear. There is in some senses nothing in the world we need to be afraid of if we are afraid of God. (laughs) If we are in that right understanding of who he is, everything else can lose its fear. A perfect love casts out fear, the scriptures tell us. So kind of, I want to say, that's the first step um, in the gospel and in Christmas. Do not be afraid. That right sense, but we don't need to. Because the angels say, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The second step of the journey of discipleship and of Christmas is to again behold the good news. Is to really take it in. To pause and simplify the story enough that you engage properly with what's happening. This is good news. Your prayers have been answered. God has given you favour, as he keeps saying to Zechariah and to Mary and to the shepherds. The story of Christmas is good news. It's the best news. It's the greatest story in the whole of the world, that God cared for his world so much, and for you, and for me, and for you, 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 enough that he would send his only son to earth for you, to be with you, to come into our mess. And isn't it a beautiful thing that as the Saviour is born, someone wrote this, I think it's in our Bible notes for this week, but it's a while ago since we wrote them, so I can't quite remember. But someone wrote, it was the greatest act of solidarity in human history was the first cry of the baby Jesus. The greatest act of solidarity in human history, that he would come that weak and vulnerable in a manger, not in a palace. And that his first expression might be a cry was the greatest act of solidarity with a broken and hurting world in all of history. Can you see how that would be, why that would be? This is good news. And it's good news of great joy for all the people because the saviour that we need has been born. He is the Lord. He is God. And it's good news for all. And I want to spend some time as well on this being good news for all. Because you see, the shepherds, this is the beautiful hilarity, really, of how this all happens and that God would choose the shepherds. Because the shepherds were, in every way, outcasts in society. They were the least likely people you could possibly imagine to be the first invited to see Jesus born into the world. They were, um, because of their work, they were kind of ceremonially unclean in Jewish understanding. They would have been excluded from a lot of the public worship of the day. They were usually the poorest in society. They were hired hands. If you, if you could afford, if you were a shepherd and 